here. Oh my gosh. I, eh, it's okay. All of us are apparently drinking before we started this podcast. It's fine. Welcome to Drinking with Authors. I am your apparently very drunk host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is the always amazing Bo Lake. And our guest today is Austin Camacho. So this is your second time on the podcast, Austin. Yes. This is I had exciting. too much fun the first time. Oh, well, I'm glad. Okay, let's talk about what we're drinking. Because I am drinking oh, okay. my um, uh, Bucky's glow-in-the-dark um, tumbler. I love this thing at night because I do see it. It does glow in the dark. It's kind of I glow. have the same one, and it's so helpful in the middle of the night. It really is, because I'm not going to talk about how many times I've knocked the water off my table in the middle of the night. It is not <laughs> something I'm proud of. But in this wonderful tumbler, I... I'm drinking a um, orange juice and vodka. That's I'm, oh. it's a screwdriver. It's kind of it's very full. You can kind of hear it, but anyway, that's what I have going on in nine things. Okay, Bo, what are you doing? I have a peppermint mocha today because it is the Christmas season, and it's the only holiday tradition I have on this Krampus knocked day. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It is. Austin, what about you? Okay. Well, um, despite what it says on the glass, I am not actually drinking Bailey's. This is a different Irish cream that I prefer called Caroline's. Oh. It's it's a little heartier and a little, probably a little bit sweeter. And it's, it's my preferred and it's, it's what I drink around the holidays around here. So. I love that. I love that. Okay. So Austin, for those that maybe didn't catch your previous episode, what is it that you write? Well, I write mysteries and thrillers. My primary uh, series is the Hannibal Jones mystery series. And Hannibal Jones is an African-American private eye who works in Washington, D.C. And they are pretty standard whodunit type thing. Uh, with a little bit of hard-boiled detective mixed in. I like it. I like it. So it has been a little bit since you have been on the podcast. Do you want to tell us what you've been up to? <laughs> um, well, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. Okay. Um, I um, I have start for some reason gotten into writing some short stories. Oh, um, somebody, somebody found out that uh, I I have a certain bizarre sensibility to my writing. And so people have actually asked me to send in short stories to their uh, to their anthologies. Oh, um, they're all, you know, crime fiction stuff, usually kind of noir. Um, so at some point in 2024. You will see one of my stories in an anthology that the theme is Waffle House. Oh, um, like the it, restaurant Waffle yes, House? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I love all of this. So there has to be a scene in the story set in the Waffle House. But also, have you have you been to Waffle House? Yes, love yes. Waffle House. Okay. So you Especially know on the menu, a drinker, I love Waffle House at like three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> They're there all night. Yes, yeah, right. On the menu, it shows the ways you can get your hash browns. Yeah. Covered, smothered, 
and I don't remember the other ones, but in the story, some one of the characters has to be smothered or covered or crushed or one of those things. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so how do you say no to that? Come on. You don't. It um, is nigh impossible. Then I was asked to write a story for an upcoming anthology based on the songs of Genesis. So my story is based on, is inspired by throwing it all away. Okay. And then a good friend of mine is doing an anthology uh, inspired by hip hop songs. So uh, I got one by most deaf called mathematics. And uh, I really liked how the story came out. Very and in cool. between all of that, I got my latest Hannibal Jones novel out, which is called Subtle Felonies, which I'm very, very proud of. It's um, I, I had a couple that were okay, but this one is back to my previous level of super. <laughs> of course, I'm I'm you know a little prejudiced, but <laughs> <laughs> bias is good. It's true. No, I like it. I like it. Well, it sounds like you've been really, really busy, which is uh, amazing and wonderful. You also participate, and I was unfortunately not able to get it this year, but you have a pretty large writer convention that you participate yes. in. Yes. Well, I was I was so bummed that you weren't there. Um, I was there. Was, uh... <laughs> Bo, Bo went as representation of me. She's better than me anyway. So it was a good time. Yeah. It was so oh, fun. I doubt that. But. I wouldn't mind finding out. Um, we had a record number. <laughs> I'm so glad you laughed. We had a record number of attendees this year. Um, we we broke a hundred. We went to like 120 people. Wow. And, uh, all half and half, 60 published authors and 60 fans and readers and you know aspiring writers and whatnot so it was really good it was our 10th year and we had a big cake and we just had a, a it was a very had, good cake it was good good cake loved it <laughs> so, what, what is it that um describe this because you're you're talking about it but you haven't you haven't named well, that's it true. yet so the name, name the creatures crimes and creativity conference is a gathering of genre fiction authors and lovers and we have done a pretty good job over the years of mixing it up we have people there who write mysteries suspense horror um thrillers science fiction fantasy uh paranormal we got a couple of steampunk people to show up this time so we had a really good mix and the wonderful thing is when you have the panels you find out how much writing those different genres have in common. There's more, it's more similarity than differences. And, and that's the fun of it, finding that out and, and getting to know these writers. And we have uh, uh, readers, readings at the Noir at the Bar, which we had some super, some super stuff this year. Very and, cool. And and we sell a bunch of books. We, we do a... Uh, we have a bookstore set up and we sell the books of the attending authors. And uh, we were 
working closely with a bookstore the first few years, but then it got to be too big a pain in the ass. So now we pretty much do it ourselves. The, the, the downside is that the writers have to kind of bring their own stock. The yeah. upside is that we don't feel the need to make money on this. So I we keep like 15%, 10% and give the writer back the rest. Well, that's very awesome. Yeah, I think so. That's very cool. So just let's get this out of the way. If somebody wanted to participate in it, what do they do? Oh, they go to our website, which is creaturescrimesandcreativity.com. And they can register right there. Um, we are we are still in, uh, yeah, we're still in the early bird mode. So it's two eighty five for the three days. But uh, you get uh, dinner Friday night, three meals Saturday, and breakfast Sunday morning. So I think it's it's as conferences go, it's pretty reasonable. Oh, I agree completely. And it's and you know we all stay there in the hotel for the three days because you're not going somewhere to get something to eat. So everybody just hangs out. We don't have assigned seating or anything. So, you know, the fans sit next to their favorite writer and, and ask them all those embarrassing questions. <laughs> and we always have uh, an open bar set up during the, uh, during the signings, which tends to draw people. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's just a good time. We have two different keynote speakers. Um, I got to tell you about next year. Oh, all tell right. us about next year. This is all about this, you know, this convention yeah. right now. Tell us. Okay. Okay. If you are a mystery fan, we have Lee Goldberg for our, for one of our keynote speakers. He is a New York Times bestseller, blah, 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 blah. But he's also the guy that wrote all the Monk novels. He was writing the Monk TV show as well. And oh, he's done wow. a lot of TV. Um, he, he runs a small press as well. Uh, and, and he's just a cool guy. If you are a science fiction fan, we have Jack Campbell for one of our, for our other keynote. Jack is, again, New York Times bestseller, blah, 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 blah. And he writes... Um, what I might best describe as space opera, but oh. really good space opera. <laughs> and uh, they are both going to be a lot of fun. So everybody should come to our website and register. And if you're, if you're not really sure, we have a, a pretty strong Facebook page that uh, all the all the writers post on and, and tell us what they're doing, you know, their updated writer stuff. And uh, we have become uh, kind of a community. We're we're a community of of writers and book lovers. I actually yeah, I still the... talk to a lot of people that I met there, like to this day. <laughs> yeah, and I I want to say that I think one of the things that you just said, which is very vital, is the word community, because yes. the truth is is that writing is a very solitary sport, unfortunately, mm -hmm. or fortunately, who knows. Um, and so you you look at um, something like this, and it does give everybody an opportunity to really find their fellow people in the the writing tribe. You know what I mean? And right. be able to do stuff with I don't know. I could go on and on, but I think it's really important that 
you find people to talk to um, and that commiserate with as you're going through your writing process. I I couldn't agree more. And how did you get involved in this? Did I ever ask you that before? Um, I don't know, man. That was months ago. That was a long time ago. And there were some drinks during that. So. I don't yeah, know the answer. So I'm assuming we did not talk about it. <laughs> well, well, you know, I'll, I'll be redundant if I answered this before. I used to go to a conference in Chicago called Love is Murder, which was also multi-genre. It was in February in Chicago, which gives you an idea of how badly Ooh, I that was cold. That's cold. <laughs> And um, after a while, uh, my lovely wife and I thought, wouldn't it be nice to have something like that, only not so far away in the middle of winter? So we kind of drew up a plan and went to them and said, hey, can we be Love is Murder East and, you know, for the for the Mid-Atlantic? And they said, no, because it's complicated. <laughs> we're a, we're a, a, you know. Whatever, whatever that the numbers are for an actual nonprofit organization, and they weren't labeled to spin off. And um, I, I wrote it all out, everything I liked about the place. And we sat down with two of our friends, and the four of us looked at each other and said, "Well, we can do this on our own. How hard could it be?" Which is <laughs> that phrase has gotten me in more trouble in my life than anything else, but. Oh my gosh, me too. We like just, this seems like such a great idea. Sure. <laughs> we can do this. And the thing is, after the first uh, two or three spins, you pretty much you pretty much do all the stupid stuff. You can and, say shit. We're on a okay. podcast. <laughs> you can say it. Do it. Once you once you once you get through the first couple of years and you've You've made all the really asshole mistakes. It starts to get to be pretty easy. And you know exactly, here's what we need to do. And here's when we need to do it. And uh, the real fun is that people kept coming back telling us what a great time they had. So we we kind of, you know, we were kind of stuck. <laughs> if, if, if I were to stop. Now you have to do it. If we were to stop the conference, our lives would be in danger. So we uh, we carry on and continue, and we we tweak a little bit here and a little bit there. I don't think I mentioned the raffle. So let's back up. Oh oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> after the first year, for some reason that I can't put my finger on, the Baltimore County Public Library started sending a video team. Oh. And they'd do some interviews of writers and take some, you know, shoot some B-roll and whatnot. And they would put these interviews up on their page. And then um, I asked them, you know, could we get like a promo video? And they started doing that every year. This is all gratis, you know. Oh, wow. So we, one of the people who attends who's very into romance writing said, Oh, you should have like a, a a giveaway of some kind because you know stuff is how romance uh, conferences work. Everybody gives away stuff. Yeah. So we asked the writers to bring gift baskets. We raffle them off, 
And we take all that money and we give it to the Baltimore County Public Library. Last year, that was 600 and some odd bucks. So we're supporting the library, which, you know, we all have a we all have a selfish personal interest in getting people to freaking read. So that's that's a part of it. And, and it has become kind of competitive with the with the baskets. Oh, oh it was wow. so it was so competitive. It was like the Hunger Games in there for a little while. <laughs> yes. yes. Mine, mine, mine. So, <laughs> oh wow. Another fun part of it. <laughs> Well, this is really awesome. I think it's great that you've created this. And you better be there next year, doggone it, because we were supposed to do this. People were waiting. We wanted, oh, when when does the, the drinking with authors start? Well, <laughs> yes. Um, I'm quite sure Bo will want to go again. So we will coordinate. We will get ourselves signed up. We will come and I will do as many live drinking with authors back to back as humanly okay. possible. Until you follow. And there, we'll do, shot, I can get we'll do shots between everyone. It will be That's fine. <laughs> you know. Mm. Um, so let's talk about all the stuff you've got kind of going and stuff like that. Um what is coming up for you? Because you've got a release coming out. That's part of the reason we're talking, right? Well, the release, it's it's out now. Oh, yeah. It was, yes. was going to be coming out when we originally planned to do this. And then things went, you know, cattywampus. And now we're after <laughs> it came out last month. Yeah, that's true. But that's okay. Because, you know, when you're not in a big publisher, you got to work the long tail. So, yeah. <laughs> keep selling months and months away. So um talk about my new baby. Yeah, let's talk about your new baby. Subtle felonies, uh Hannibal Jones mystery novel. Um it's launched by this professional retired professional basketball player okay. named Xander Brown. He goes missing and his family uh, they don't know if he is just run off with some young thing or he's fallen back into the drugs or or something bad has happened to him. But whatever it is, they don't want it to be in the news. So they call my private eye, Hannibal Jones, and, you know, go go find Xander. And in the process of searching, he gets to know uh, all of Xander's friends and co-workers and the people he does business with and, you know, all these people who at first blush would be his friends and supporters, but, you know, not everybody is. And it, it, it gave me a chance to explore what happens to a person and what happens to their family, what happens to their friends when they really do do that rags to riches thing. Oh, when you, when you think about the mega millions that professional sports people make, and you know, if you're a guy who who learned to play basketball on on the school court, uh, and suddenly you've got a contract that's giving you millions of dollars every year, there will be people in your posse who want to hook onto that coattail and, and ride along. Mm -hmm. There will be people who want to help you manage your money properly. 
And you know, I, it, it's, what what happens? What happens to that guy's head? So without actually meeting Xander, yeah, you learn a lot about him and and where he came from and what his plan was and his wife and his daughter, who are major characters here, who were also in the same, you know, went from nothing to, wow, we're living in, you know, this, this $8 million house with two garages with eight cars in them and our own basketball, our own golf course. And, and the truth is that there are places nearby like that. I actually based their house on an actual house that, that a baseball pitcher lived in. So it's it's a lot about how do people handle, how do people change when suddenly there is wealth, mm-hmm. oh, and wow. of course you you by the end of the book you you find out what happened to Xander and and, and I can't tell you a whole lot more because then it wouldn't be a mystery. <laughs> no, that's true. But I I actually love that because it's something you know we um, see stuff throughout our life like we have celebrities that we. I think it's weird because I think a lot of times we think we know a celebrity from something they're doing or whatever. And especially now with social media, it's so much easier to think, you know, a celebrity because you're seeing whatever they present themselves. But one of the things I always thought was very interesting is when you have celebrities that go off the rails and people go, oh, well, they're crazy. And I just go very few (laughs) celebrities and it doesn't matter movies sports whatever Mm -hmm. anybody who gains any certain notoriety i think people forget that you have to have people around you that keep you grounded to who you were to begin with right Right. because it's so easy to go you know as you put it cattywampus in different (laughs) directions that's your word austin that's your word of the day Um, okay (laughs) but it's it's easy to go off the rails because there's nobody there going, um, take yourself down about 10 notches. I got that all you got these screaming fans, but you have a job. This is because being a celebrity, whether you're an author, whether you're a sports yeah. person or something, you actually have a job that's associated to what you're doing. Music, right. movies, TV, like you're supposed to do, do this job and then all this. And instead they just go, you know, oh, hey, you know, <laughs> well, I think that those people who are smart enough to keep their family close. Yeah. Probably come out a little better. I think when you reach the point where you know, um you're a Kardashian and all of the people around you are people who are on your payroll, you're not going to get the straight stuff from anybody. <laughs> yeah. No nobody is completely open and honest to their boss. That's just life. No, it's true. And it's survival because, yeah. you know, I, I am one of the few people you will find that has been very open and honest with her bosses in the past. It has not done well for me when I worked for people <laughs> no. at all. Let me just clarify that ended very badly for me. So um, because, they, you know, they want to hear the truth until you tell them the truth and then they don't want to hear the truth anymore. Yeah, so exactly. That's how and that works. That is um, often not a winning strategy. No, no, it's not. Weirdly enough, it is not a thing that I win at. So, um, well, that is really, I I don't know. I think that is an amazing topic. I can't wait to read that book. It's so much fun. Oh, good. Uh, 
And and so I do want, I'm going to ask one question before we go to the break about short stories. So as somebody who very um, frequently writes short stories, right? I've met so many authors that delve into writing a short story that I know authors who cannot write short stories. Like they try to, and then it's like 25,000 words later. And I'm like, schnookums, that's a novella. That's not a short story. So appreciate you, but that doesn't count. And, you know, like here, I remember one anthology I was a part of, like the max word count was supposed to be um, 10,000 words. Mm-hmm. That's what, Or they wanted the word count 10,000. They were willing to go at like 12,000, right? And I remember I submitted and I was wondering what was taking so long. And it turned out two of the authors submitted like 20 and 25,000 word count short stories. So the editor was, and and this was after they were sent back to them twice. That was the lowest they could get. Oh. So the editor was having to go down and do that. And I said to them, because it was a, a little writer's group and everything, but I said, mm-hmm. Why are you doing that? Why don't you just not have them be a part? The editor shouldn't be trying to take no. a story and cut it in half. Because what story are you telling if you're cutting a short story in half? And they're like, we can't even figure out, you know, blah. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't count as a short story. So just say no. Yeah. What was yeah. that like for you writing short stories? Because that's well, a different, that's a whole different thing than writing a novella. For for several years. I was in the novelist mindset. This is this is the length that's comfortable for me to write. And I can't figure out how to make something less. Then um, I listen to myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's always fun. You know, when when you do this and you're at conferences and you're asked to speak, but you give a lot of advice. And sometimes you give advice that you know is good advice, but you didn't take it. Constantly. When people, that is my constant state of being. I'm very good at telling other people what to do. So when <laughs> someone asked me, how do I learn how to write a novel? My standard response is, pick up your three favorite novels and outline them. Read them and make an outline as you go. When you get finished, you will understand how that writer did what he did, where the ups and downs are and, you know, how he planted the clues or whatever, whatever, whatever. So it occurred to me, since short stories are a good way to introduce people to your writing, what I ought to do is just read a whole bunch of short crime stories. And after I did that for a while, it, it, you know. The light switch went on and said, oh, it's like that. So don't describe every scene and don't give everybody a full name and, you know, make stick stick to the bare bones plot. And once I got that figured out, then after a couple of rough failures, I mean, the, the first short story I read that I would call a short story was probably 7,500 words. But I got myself to the point where I can do a 5,000 word story pretty well. And for the hip hop thing, they had asked for a 3,500 words. And that was, that was a challenge. But I, first I wrote a story that was 
5,200 words. And I, I wrote back and I said, yeah, tale of two stories. The first one was way the hell too long, but I got this instead. And they said, you know what? Uh, we just pull that number out of the air. Let me read both. So it'll be interesting to see which one they actually <laughs> take. Well, you know, it's interesting. And then we got to jump to break. But what's interesting about that is I tell authors, here's the advice I can give. And this is because I can follow this advice. So this is, we'll put that little checkbox in that, is that um, I think some of these little exercises where you have a hundred words to write a story mm. or a sentence to write a story. And there's some on like, Twitter and stuff like that that I've seen or X, whatever that's called, and some other places where it's like write a hundred character short story, which yeah. And what what it teaches you to do though is it teaches you to I, I'm gonna just call it this sum up. Like if you're writing a, a short story, for instance, it doesn't matter what the character looks like unless it's truly relevant to the story. Right. Unless right. it's going to literally have an impact on the story. It doesn't matter what that person looks like at all. Right. right. And but people were so used to exposition. And I've even found that in my writing in general is that we tend to want to be um, have all this exposition in our story. Right. Yes. But I don't know how much there are some readers that want the exposition. They want you to say what color hair the damsel in distress has or whatever. Right. But a lot of people don't, and they make up in their mind what they think it looks like. What he looks like, right. Or she looks like, or they look like. No, you're right. And that's how you get out of um, uh, being, doing, you know, that's how you get into doing short stories is go, what are you trying to say? And can you sum it up and then cut it down? And I think those exercises are brilliant for an author because it takes away this need to explain in five pages this scene that you can explain in a paragraph. Right. You know? Right. So these these are the things. Anyway, we got to go to break. We will be right back with Drinking With Authors because we can talk to Austin forever. So we'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> hey, listeners. You know me, Eric Lance. You're just listening to me in the podcast that you have. But guess what? I'm doing something new. Yeah, she's joining me, Mark Muncy, the author of the Erie, Florida book series in Erie, Appalachia. And we are hosting a new podcast called Erie Travels. Woo-woo, Erie Travels, which covers things like ghosts, cryptids, weird stuff, UFOs, men in black, all kinds of fun things that people talk about and I'm sure you've discussed with friends. Yep, and you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice or find us at eerietravels.com and join in the fun and all the spooky goodness. And of course, Mark, what do we always say? We'll see you on the other side. Okay, we're back. You may hear my dogs in the background because the world is ending. They're, prote they're protecting us from it. <laughs> um, anyway, that's the one thing I've realized you can't... Yeah, I go, stop, and they don't. They just keep going. So that's exciting for all of us. Um, but we're so we talked about that. We talked about your next book. What are you working on then right now, Austin? What are you well, in the process of? That's a whole different story, isn't it? Um, so to speak. And I'm going to tell the long form of this story only because it's relevant to our previous conversation. A couple of years ago, 
a friend of mine named Weldon Burge, who runs a small press like yours, invited me to be in an anthology. And he he generally does like horror stuff, but he moved away from that and did a series of anthologies of short stories about assassins. Uh, this particular one was called Insidious Assassins. Oh. And so I said, okay, I ought to be able to do something for that. And I wrote a short story which was kind of a thinly disguised mystery, murder mystery, but the lead character was a professional assassin. And her name is Sky. Oh. African American woman, Washington, D.C. And I wrote this story, and he loved it, bought it, published it. And the character would not let me be. Oh. Sky is, I think she has been described as earthy. Oh. <laughs> the language is street. Sky is street. And when I wrote the character, there was no backstory. There was nothing behind it. It was just, boom, here it is. Uh, so there were a lot of questions that needed answering and ultimately I gave in and I wrote, I said, okay, I'm going to write a novel. You know, this shouldn't be that difficult, you know, assassin target. And, um, I really, really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Oh, very cool. So because it was new, um, I sent it around and I got an agent to take it and then he started shopping it and it was so much fun. And that is why we write after all. Yeah. That I went ahead and wrote a second one that I liked even better. Oh, wow. And the character kept developing and the, the few people around her kept developing. And now I have the first draft of a third Sky novel, which I am just beginning the rewrite of. I don't oh, know if no. anyone will ever see these things, depending on you know how good my agent is, but it's just being so much fun because early on, it, it, it became about what kind of person does this? <laughs> And I, lo I love that. But by the way, if your agent doesn't find somebody better self-published, because these sound amazing, Austin. Well, um, and you I'm can't gonna, teach your audience about that. I'm going to put that on a timer. Because if I have three novels, polished, finished, good stuff, and he can't place them, then you're right. I'll put them out. Boom, boom, boom. Um, Sky. <laughs> this is the thing. Sky knows that that she's not right. It's not normal for people to kill people for a living. And so the other primary character in these books is her analyst, Jayla. And oh, it wow. isn't the conversations between Sky and Jayla that you learn 
more and more about what I refer to in the books as the terrain inside her head, which has not been fully explored. She's very, very good at what she does. And she follows a specific set of rules, which are kind of developing as they go. I think right now I'm up to maybe 15 rules, assassin's rules that she follows. Wow. Um, yeah. Rule number one is the bastard's got to deserve it. Okay. <laughs> and it kind of takes off from there. You know, there are rules about you, you need to be in control of the terrain. Um, in in the second book, she explained that I think rule number three or four is don't kill everybody in the room. <laughs> okay. It's counterproductive. <laughs> I appreciate that. You, you only true. kill the guy you're getting paid to kill. <laughs> that no is freebies. Funny. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because. You know, in her mind, this is what separates the professional from, you know, just the thugs. And she's not a thug. She's a professional. And it's just, it has developed nicely. And I've also pulled in some of the characters from the Hannibal Jones series. <laughs> of course you did, because the ones we love, we've got to bring everywhere. We're like, you're coming with me to yeah. this one. So I've clearly established that they're in the same universe, and at some point they're going to have to meet, but I haven't written myself into that corner yet. <laughs> so what I love that you said about this story, so it better come out one way or another, Austin. I'm going to hold you to that. You want me to show up at your conference? I better have some news <laughs> on this series before I show up Absolutely. at conference. I can Absolutely. hold things hostage as well. But um, <laughs> what I love is the the consequences part. So I write, you know, different than what you write, but Bo writes a similar genre to me is horror. And one of the things that I always think is interesting about writing horror is um, like my stories don't have happy endings when I write them because mm. I go, who is going to be okay through this? Th like nobody's going to be okay through a lot of the bad stuff that can happen, right? right. Especially if it's, psychologically based and stuff like that, like thriller horror stuff where it's not good. And I love that you approach that topic with this assassin that, yeah, there's a, a bit of distancing yourself you can do, but you are legitimately killing people. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, you're not being Dexter where you're taking out people that maybe the world should have taken out and failed to do so. But, you know, I love that. So you bet, yes, you bet Mr. <laughs> I'm doing the eye look right now. You better get that together and stuff like that. Absolutely. So. I'm learning in this third book that it is a very lonely existence. And Sky, you know, when you live off the grid, which if you're a professional criminal, you kind of have to live off the grid. When you live off the grid, you're disconnected from society. And in this in this story, she kind of becomes aware of that. I'm I'm, you know, I'm other, I'm apart. And she's just Jayla has finally brought her to the point where she realizes that this is not a good thing. Yeah, that's realize, exciting. Stop teasing me with this book, Austin. <laughs> stop. Enough teasing. She wants it now. If you if 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 I thought you had time. I would send you the first one so you could read it and and go wow. <laughs> so um, I now insist that you do. Okay, so, 
I want the first one. This sounds amazing. I love this. And then okay. I'm going to steal it from her. And then yeah. I'll no. it. By sending it to me, you're sending it to me in both. That's what's happening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, 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 the condition is that if you see anything that just doesn't feel right to you, that you give me some feedback. We're um, good at I that. know you know this, but just for your audience, when a writer is looking for feedback, I loved it or I hated it is valueless to us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, one of my um, very good friends and a co-author of a book series that I do um, who has written his other half of the book and not my, I haven't done mine. So I want to shout out to my lovely friend, you know who you are, Raymond. Anyway. Um, so he said something and he wrote this whole blog. That's like the seven things that you can do for an author to comment about their thing. And it had to do with, don't tell me love or to hate it. That means nothing to the person. Like if you did love it, what specifically did you love about it? Mm -hmm. What bothered you about it? What did you not like about it? If you were writing the story, what would you do different? But he listed like all of these things. It was amazing to how to give feedback because, and that's the whole thing for authors. And we really do have to do literary briefs after this, but is that for (laughs) us, You know, I love friends and family and we all have friends that are very good at doing that function for us that go, this is what I like. This is what I don't like that you can bounce story ideas off of. But the rest of your family and friends who's like, yeah, you wrote a book. Well, and then there's like tumbleweeds going because they don't know what else to say. I'm so proud of you. Early on, I learned that my family kind of fell into two groups. There were the people who were going to be encouraging no matter what. And I don't know if they really liked the story, but they told me it was great. And there was this other group who wants to spare me the pain and disappointment of failure. So their their whole approach to this was, you know, um, you'd make more money being a butcher. You know, (laughs) there's better things for you to, this is not a good way for you to spend your time kind of thing. And I ultimately learned to blow off both groups of my family members. And we all have those good friends. Yeah. You know, this, this, this isn't any good, but, but um, give me a copy when, you know, cause I'd like to have one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah so if you go you know that doesn't that is if you want to buy a copy cool you can pay there me much for it but if you're just gonna if you just and i'll sign it but if you're gonna put it on a shelf and go look my friend erica writes books i am i am you but i am never shy about saying this is a year of my life i'm not just gonna give it away okay yeah. <laughs> no i love i love that because that's so true Unless it's somebody who does something that I like, in which case I can say in response, you know, those sweaters that you knit, I really like that one. Why don't you give me one? And then they understand. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's true. It's it's a form of art. It's kind of like, you know, when, when anybody offers to give me something, right, I go, cool. Like you said comment i'm gonna comment because if you're letting me read it in advance you're gonna get what erica thinks of this book now whether you take anything i say 
up to you, but you'll oh. get what Erica thinks of the book. <laughs> you know what? I also will. I'm, I'm, I'm committing myself now. Oh, I will send you an, an actual gift. There is a Hannibal Jones short story that has never been published. That is not, well, it's kind of a mystery, but it's got a supernatural side to it. Ooh. A Twilight Zone piece to it. Um, and he, um, <laughs> the title of the book, the title of the story is What's Under the Hood. And we're not talking about his car. Okay. We're talking about his neighborhood. Oh, and I'm I'm going to send that to you with no further words, and then you'll you'll write back and tell me what a cool idea, or you'll say, "Wow, why did you do that?" But either way, um, I can't wait. And by the way, your fans are going. You're going to get emails from this when it airs. Going, you're going to give it to her, but you're not going to give it to us. <laughs> so I already feel that's going to happen to you. That's going on. So, crazy. but everybody. Everybody should buy a copy of Insidious Assassins uh, and read the very first Sky story and a whole bunch of other good stuff because he he curated some great stories. Oh, no, we'd love that. Okay, we are going to go now, Austin, into the literary briefs portion. Okay. So here we go. You've been on before. Tell us about a great book you've read since you've last were on the podcast. If I remember when the last time we were, I was on, the best book I've read since then would have to be Sleepless City by um, Reed Farrell Coleman. It is noir stuff, but it's not a detective. It's a cop that's kind of rogue and he's in it, but he's not in it. And uh, Reed is easily among my three favorite living writers. And he writes New York City like nobody else. He inhabits my city where, well, I'm from New York originally. He is he is so good that when I read Reed's stuff, I make notes to myself. <laughs> <laughs> of of great comments or a particular sentence that just knocked me out uh or, or a description of a character that that just stopped me because it was so he's Reed Farrell Coleman uh Sleepless City and I think it's the first of a series but he is just just so good so good very cool Bo well, to ask my question, I got to give a little context for people who don't follow Austin on Facebook. He does these, he says short stories are hard for him, but he writes these little statuses called Think About It. And Austin, <laughs> I need you to share your favorite hashtag Think About It. My favorite? I don't yes. know if I have a favorite. Um I can tell you that I think what I'm going to post tomorrow is I love this time of year because it's only it's the only time that people sit around a dead tree and eat candy out of their socks. 
<laughs> They're all so good. My favorite is, um, what was it? It was, if one synchronized swimmer drowns, do the rest do they all, all have to drown? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I try every day, almost every day, to just post something that will make you think or give you a chuckle. One mm-hmm. of the two. Sometimes I look forward to them every day. They're the <laughs> they're so I good. know this week I wrote, I posted um saving saving one dog won't save the world, but it will mean the world to that one dog. Oh. And that came out of a conversation I had with someone who actually is fostering animals. So she doesn't mm. keep them. But she gets them out of the pound a little while until someone actually wants them. And that just appeared in the conversation. I said, wow, you you kind of. I know you both know this because you both write. Your brain becomes sticky in a way for great lines that wander into your life. Somebody says something, it just, yeah. (laughs) So that's. That's where a lot of a lot of this comes from. But yeah, I, I I try to do something cool every day. I don't manage, but I try to do something. No, I, I think you do do something cool every day. You're judging it on what you might think people are perceiving as well, cool versus what people are perceiving as cool. The the hard part for me is the questions, because a lot of days I post a question. Because I find that the questions get a lot of response, but coming up with questions that are not political or religious or, you know, the kind of thing that people fight about, I would rather, you know, ask a question like, um, how, how have you started your Christmas shopping? Well, here, here, here's a good Austin question. That he asked the other day. Curious, in an ideal world, would you invest in a massage chair? (laughs) And there's 27 comments of people answering this question. And they're all very thoughtful. People have an opinion about that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's like I've never thought of it before. I will tell you, I sometimes see these those really nice massage chairs, like you see at the mall or you see Mm -hmm. at the airport, you know, not just like a little because People tend to give me massage things, which I don't know whether they just think I'm stressed out all the time or something, but <laughs> you are. Um, I have so many heating pads and massage things that I wish could be in the naughty category, but they're not. They're like shoulder <laughs> massage, that kind of stuff. And I always see these chairs and I go, gosh, that would be wonderful if there was a place in my house that was serene enough to put said chair and wasn't like thousands of dollars that I could just go sit there. But then I'm like, you know, if that happened, I would be in that chair way too much. And I would just be like, this is where I'm going to go sleep. This is where I live now. (laughs) (laughs) And they're always the ugliest chairs, too. They're not even cute to like have in your living room because it looks like like from a space station or something. That's true. And, you know, you just got to put, I just have to put a keyboard. So, I, but I wouldn't because I, I, even when I read, I'd fall asleep in there. You know, that's how that would happen. No, you'd figure a way to attach a laptop 
and then you'd figure a way to attach a place where you could have food and then you'd you'd find you'd figure a way to attach drink holders and then it, over over the course of time it would become this little capsule <laughs> <laughs> it's true and that would be where i live that's how it goes it would be like the end of the movie wally where everyone's just rolling around in chairs <laughs> that that that's, that's so true um <laughs> How my dogs are going crazy. So hopefully it's not distracting too much. But um, so I have a question for you, Austin. Now that you, you know, have you um, started looking at the cast for your book series? Have you come up with actors who should play people? Um, As a general rule, no. Uh, I did cast subtle felonies at some point because it was a question that I was asked on someone else's blog. But I don't remember who they were, um, except Hannibal. I know who he is. He is Shamar Moore. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes. When I, when I created Hannibal Jones, uh, Shamar Moore was on Criminal Minds. And Hannibal is a mixed race, tall, slender, dark-skinned guy with hazel eyes that look blue sometimes and green sometimes and as it turns out shamar moore is a dark-skinned mixed-race guy with hazel eyes that did and he was just my picture it's this guy (laughs) so you know if they ever made a movie i would i would campaign hard it's got to be shamar moore because he's the model he's who i built this guy to be but for the others, I don't um I don't think of actors or actresses or, or anything like that because these characters are they're who they are. Uh whoever got cast would have to become that, not the other way around. <laughs> no, it's it's true. And a lot of times again, um, you know, you can have some influence, but yes. sometimes and there are people out there that we don't even necessarily know that could take a character and be brilliant with them. Yes. So, um, Bo, would you like to jump in with a question before I do the final one? What is your hope for the next, uh, the 11th, Creatures, Crimes, and Creativity? creativity. Um, My hope is that the numbers will be the same, maybe a little bit more. And... I don't know. This one was almost perfect. I really hope we can maintain that mix of half-published writers. Um, if I could, if I could make anything different, I would find a way to get more of the general public to come into the hotel during the book signings, mm-hmm. so that everybody could sell more books. <laughs> I'm, I'm finding we're all it, just buying from each other it was nice I'm, yeah well <laughs> but, and, and and you know they have a variety of literary events take place in this area and it's mm-hmm. always frustrating to me and irritating to me when i see some other thing get tv coverage and i can't get a mention in in the news and i don't know what it is we're doing differently or what it is we're doing wrong. Press releases. 
We send releases to everybody. <laughs> I know it's it's the wording on the press release. I know that sounds weird, but there is a wording that you have to know. Okay. We can talk about it outside of this, but there is a wording okay. that you put that makes people go, huh? You know, so that they do it. So we'll it's like a, a resume sort of. Oh, I, yeah. As somebody I who did HR for 25 years, let me just tell you how much fun it is to read some people who have like three page resumes. By the way, we don't read those. 11 seconds, always. <laughs> That's what we give it. Um, you scan the first page. It literally is a statistic. 11 seconds is what most people give a resume uh, when they receive it. See, I have no idea how to write a resume because through most of my professional life, I was a, a federal employee. And when you're in the federal government, you go to the, the uh the write-up for the job, and there are specific keywords that you know they're looking for, and so you just make sure those keywords are are in your resume. It doesn't even have to be a sentence; just make sure those words. <laughs> no, but that's actually true with anything. That's a whole other topic. But every yeah. the ac applicant, applicant, I can use words, even though I finished my entire drink. Tracking system. That's what it looks for. It goes, this job description says this. You need at least 25 of those words in your resume. Otherwise, it just ignores it and says you're not qualified, even right. if you are. But, okay, final question before shameless self-promotion, Austin. I want to know a story idea that came to crept into your mind that you went, I'm not writing that. Because <laughs> we ideas. all have them. We have story ideas. And then we go... Oh, I'm not writing that. Um. Well, I've I've had a couple of uh, story ideas that depended on well-known and easily recognized professional politicians mm. that that I decided it would be counterproductive for me to actually write the story because um because I write a certain kind of fiction and they write a whole different kind of fiction and <laughs> yeah that there people would be offended if I were to point out that their fiction is fiction and mm -hmm. I've had some story ideas that really have a lot to do with what nobody ever says to certain high-ranking, important politicians is, no, that's a lie. <laughs> yeah, well, that... So I've had some, some story ideas in which that kind of thing happened. I had a, a wonderful story idea that I will never write about someone getting his three wishes from the genie. And one of his wishes is that person may never lie again. Oh, consequences, you know, what would fall downhill <laughs> from that? I, I love particular that individual liar, liar kind of thing. Yeah. Somehow couldn't lie no matter how badly they wanted to. But that's. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that is hysterical. OK, shameless self-promotion time, Austin. Where do people find you in your books? Um, well, the easiest way to find me is on Facebook. I'm Austin Camacho or Austin Camacho. Uh, mystery slash thriller author because of two different pages um and my website a s camacho.com 
And uh, I'm also on uh, on Instagram and I'm also on the, the social media thing formerly known as Twitter, but I don't visit them very often. So don't bother. Go to Facebook. Okay, and <laughs> Go to my website. And your most recent release? Is Subtle Felonies, Hannibal Jones mystery novel. It will keep you guessing right to the end. You will very much like the people you meet in the book, and it will drive you to want to read all the previous seven of them. Wonderful, wonderful. Awesome. Thank you for being here with us again. We love having you. We're going to have to make this an annual thing that you come on the show. Yes. So I would thank love you, that. Thank you so much for hosting me. And the next time I'm on... <laughs> The next time I'm on, we'll talk about the stories that I'm going to send you either this afternoon or tomorrow morning. Oh, yeah, because we're going to yes. talk about when they're going to be released. So yes. that's going to be the conversation we have next time. Yeah, <laughs> have to find some some uh, courageous publisher who's willing to take a chance on me. <laughs> I'm not even going to comment on that. Okay. <laughs> Okay, everyone, this has been Drinking With Authors. I've been your host, Erica Lance. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe. All those things help us tremendously. Um, my amazing co-host today has been Bo Lake. Our guest has been Austin Camacho, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>